The text for the sermon this morning is 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 to 8. We'll read those verses again. 3 to 8 of 1 Thessalonians 4. And there the apostolic word is recorded as follows. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and has testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. And therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, 50 years ago or so, sex, sex wasn't talked about very much. Uh, not just among Christians, but in general, in, in society in general. There was a kind of generally quietly accepted standard of sexual morality based on uh, our Christian heritage. Sexual relations outside of marriage were viewed as, as wrong. A pregnancy outside of marriage was something even um, had become something very shameful in society in general. And that was uh, poignantly portrayed recently in a movie, Philomena. Philomena Lee uh, was the woman who the, the movie is about. She became pregnant as a teenager in Ireland in 1952. She was sent to a, a convent to be looked after as a fallen woman. She cared for her baby for three years when, until he was a toddler, and then he was suddenly taken from her and sent to the United States for adoption. And this woman spent the next 50 years secretly searching for her son, but she always, throughout her whole life, had lived under this huge cloud of, of shame. My, how times have changed. Because sexual relations before and outside of marriage are more or less accepted as normal today. It's openly described and portrayed in books, movies, songs, available all over the internet and social media, if you look for it. Hardly anybody bats an eye at the open portrayal of pretty well any kind of sex anymore. And that's the reality today. And there's no shame, no sense of, of shame in these things. And the result is that two young people in our society are engaging in sexual relations at a younger and younger age, it's said. And in general, more than half of all marriages fail, mainly due to sexual unfaithfulness or so. And people move in and move out. Children, in, in the end, hardly know who their parents are. A 
It's not bad, though, that there's more openness about uh, sexuality. Because I mentioned years ago it wasn't talked about very much, not even in a Christian families then. Um, parents too embarrassed to even give the basic uh, sexual information uh, to their children. Now, I don't say that it's easy even today for parents to talk to their children about that, about sex, but it's not right to keep quiet about it either, especially if our children are confronted all the time by all kinds of sexual immorality in the media and elsewhere today. They, they need to know. They need to know. And the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't keep quiet about it either. Think of, think of the Song of Solomon in the Bible, the attraction, a young man and a young woman. And the Apostle Paul wasn't ashamed to talk about sexual matters either in his letter to the Thessalonians. In fact, in this letter, it's actually the first practical matter he discusses when he talks about the holiness that they should be looking to cultivate before the return of the Lord. Because remember, this letter is about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Thessalonians were concerned about. And the first practical thing that the apostle touches on is that the, the sexual matter. Sexuality has everything to do, you see, with your relationship with the Lord. You think it's just a relationship between two people or so, but it has everything to do with your relationship with the Lord. He gave this as a wonderful gift to men and women at creation. Male and female, he created them and brought them together. It was a beautiful thing, but therefore it's also something that can be terribly misused. And when misused, it becomes something that affects your relationship with your Lord and Savior too. For Christians, it affects their relationship with him. And that's why it's addressed here in the text. Through the Apostle Paul, the Lord wants to help us overcome our sinful desires with His grace and Spirit so that nothing will stand in the way of our relationship with Him and that we can truly live joyfully as His children here and seek to do that as we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I preached to you the Word of God in the text with this theme then this morning, an apostolic exhortation to avoid or abstain from sexual immorality. We see first the context, secondly the content, and thirdly the seriousness of this exhortation. First the context of that exhortation. The apostle puts it very plainly in verse 3, the first verse of our text, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, your being made holy. It's not only God's will that we be saved when, when, uh, when judgment comes, 
It's also God's will that we be sanctified before that in preparation for that coming. That we more and more be brought to live in holiness before him. That we grow in his grace, grow in our obedience to his good will. If we believe that we're saved in Christ, if we believe we're living forward to living with him in his glory and holiness and perfection, then that has to change how we're living now too already, right? This is, the, this is what we're living for and towards. That's what the apostle prayed for in the last verses, the verse of the previous chapter. We touched on that previously. And he writes there uh, in verse 13 of the previous chapter, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He wants to make us ready, prepare us for the future glory by delivering us now already from all that slavery of sins, of all kinds of sins, but also sexual sin. And in our text, the apostle specifically mentions then that, that one kind of sin that really wants to enslave us, and that it's a, it's a very enslaving sin. God wants us to be sanctified, and that means we should abstain from sexual immorality. The Greek word Paul uses here for immorality is the word porneia. Porneia. And you recognize there the root, the Greek root of the English word porno, pornography. It's a catchword for all kinds of sexual sins, like sexual relations outside of marriage, that porneia, prostitution, homosexual relations, voyeurism, looking at reading things for sexual stimulation. Maybe, maybe we think sometimes that those kind of things only happen um, today in our so-called uh, post-Christian era. Nowadays, there are not that many Christian sexual norms left anymore. The one after the other has, has fallen in our society. A lot of people basically have the idea that it's sexual relations with whoever you want, whenever you want, as long as there's consent between the people involved. We live in very sinful times in this regard when you compare that with what the Bible wants. We could say that the, the, the brakes are off, so to speak, as our society pulls away from its Judeo-Christian roots. But hey, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes down to it. The world in which those Thessalonian Christians lived actually wasn't that much different than the world we live in today. In Greek-Roman society in those days, it was also consensual sexual relations with whoever, whenever. And we know from other writings from those days that sexual desires was, uh, were seen as physical appetite which had to be a biological need that had to be satisfied. Something like 
eating and drinking. Paul mentions that attitude in 1 Corinthians 6. He describes there that attitude towards sexuality in his days as follows. He says there, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. And that's how they wanted to deal with their sexuality. That was a kind of saying in Corinth, which means something like, hey, sex is just a biological function of the body, a biological need, like, like for food. It just, that need needs to be satisfied whenever and however it can. Otherwise, people are going to become frustrated and unhappy. It's into that kind of world there that the Apostle Paul had come with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the renewal of life through him and through his spirit. Paul had come proclaiming that the spirit works self-control, self-denial, holding marriage in honor, sexual purity. And you can imagine that the general public of those days must have thought this man is really out of touch with reality. He's out of touch with reality. Did, did this fellow really think you had to control your sexual uh, desires, your passions, your needs? How repressive, how narrow-minded. No, congregation. In this regard, it wasn't that much different in those days than, it, than the world we live in today. Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner, that old guru of pro pornography, the the editor, the, the, publisher of, of, the publisher of Playboy magazine, he once wrote these words, and by the way, they're quoted in a Christian magazine, just so I, you, you realize I don't read his magazine. He wrote there, sex is just a function of the body. A drive that man shares with animals like eating, drinking, and sleeping. It's a physical demand that must be satisfied. And if you don't satisfy it, you'll have all sorts of neurosis and repressions. Sex is here to stay. Let's forget about the prudery and that makes us hide from it. Throw away all the inhibitions. Find someone who's like-minded and let yourself go. End of quote. And that sounds like those words that Paul quoted in 1 Corinthians 6, doesn't it? What we see all around us today is simply a repeat of the same kind of pagan mentality and way of life as in those days. What else is new? And that's where you end up when you don't want to live out of Christ. If you don't want to listen to the way of life that, he, that God created for us and that Christ has redeemed us for. You end up back in paganism, which is in fact acting out of base demands just like animals. You become enslaved to sexual desires. They control you, and it has nothing to do with the kind of holiness which is God's will for his people. And that's why the apostle warns so strongly in the text, you should abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from immorality. And he bases that on the commands of the Lord Jesus himself. So you know that the Lord Jesus himself also spoke about these things in Israel. It's not all recorded what he said, but it, he, he said it. Because the apostle says in verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. By the authority of the Lord Jesus. Your sexual life, in other words, has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ, your Savior, and 
His salvation. If you simply follow the world with its pagan ideas about sexuality, you're, in fact, ruining the relationship with your Lord and Savior. And that's why you need to abstain from sexual sins. Now, a message like that wasn't going to be popular in Thessalonica, but not in our world today either, right? Not very popular. If you strive for sexual purity and teach your children the same thing, you're going to distinguish yourself. You're going to stick out from the prevailing view of a lot of people around you today. And, and that was no different in Thessalonica. And the question is not, will people go for a message like that? No, the issue is, what does the Lord want? What does He want? What's His will? And his way is clear, isn't it? Avoid sexual immorality. Abstain from it. Stay away from whatever draws you to sexual activity beyond and outside of holy marriage as he made it. We need to keep hearing that, that warning today too, don't we? Our, our young people too. This is not something they know and live out of by themselves, by nature. And our young people live in the middle of a society and with all kinds of media which aggressively promotes sexuality and satisfying one's sexual appetite no matter what or with whom. It all has more influence than we think. Most movies today show people who aren't married going to bed together as if it's the most normal thing in the world to do. Just following their passions, you can pretty well expect the main characters in a movie to end up in bed together sooner or later. You'd wonder, okay, when is this going to happen? And yes, you can almost predict, and we can get used to it. We can get used to it. And that's life, we, can, we think then. But the Bible calls it something we have to abstain from, avoid immorality, something that destroys our relationship with our God and Savior, something that destroys the quality of life itself, even though it's proclaimed as increasing the quality of life. It destroys it, undermines it. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we need to be on guard in order to abstain. Watch out for ourselves and for our children. Talk about sexuality in the right way. Not moralistically like, this is not allowed and that's forbidden. If we, if we don't get beyond that, we're not going to make any impression on anybody. There's only one way to talk about those things, and that's by pointing out, this is God's will for your good. This is the way he wants us to live so that we don't fall into the slavery and the destructiveness of sin. He gave sexuality as a gift, and if you use it as he, he has outlined it in his word, you'll discover what a wonderful and beautiful thing it is. But if you want to experiment with it and satisfy it like a biological need, you're eventually going to discover how awfully destructive it can be too. Something so beautiful can become something so messy and harmful. It'll make a mess out of your life if you continue to abuse it and misuse it. So be warned, the Lord who bought you, body and soul with his precious blood, he warns you 
because he wants you to enjoy the wonders of what he made and the wonders of his grace. We come, that's the con context. We come to the content of this exhortation too then. Congregation, we can safely assume that the Apostle Paul had already talked about the dangers of immorality, sexual immorality, while he was there in Thessalonica before he had preached for a time there. Well, in this letter, he repeats that warning. And then in verse 4, he, he specifically works that out. He says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And then uh, adds to that in verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, to possess his own vessel, he says, that means control his own body. Some translations have put it that way. And that comes down to this. Don't let your, your physical desires control you but you control its desires so that you serve God in holiness with it. Our bodies are wonderfully made, it says in one of the Psalms. However, our bodies have also been deeply affected by the fall into sin. And our bodies, the desires and passions of our bodies, they want to, if they're not controlled, they want to lead us into sin more and more, if we give in to that, more and more. So we need to master the, the passions of our body, the desires of the body, so that instead of leading us to sin, we can use our bodies for honorable purpose to serve our Savior who bought us with his precious blood, body and soul. Now we live in a society becoming more and more secular, as we mentioned before, in which God doesn't have a place a society in which the body's base urges control people more and more. They go by their, their feelings and passions. And the bottom line for many today is that if it feels good, then it should be good. Then you go ahead and do that. And it can't be wrong because it feels so right. As the song goes, truth by feeling. So many people today, as in Paul's day, let their bodies dictate their conduct. Let their bodies tell them what is good and not good. But the apostle warns, don't let your body control you. He says basically the same in, in that chapter we referred to earlier on, 1 Corinthians 6, where he quotes that popular saying of those times. Remember, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, sex is, is just a biological function of the body that has to be satisfied. Sex for the body and the body for sex. Well, just before that, that popular saying of those days, he's, the apostle says, I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, I will not be brought under the power of anything else except God in Christ. I will not be controlled by anything other than that. Not even the desires of my body will control me. People of God, let's not let our bodies master us in any way. Also not sexually, as happens so often with those people who don't know God. Not, let's not play with sexual passion. 
be led by it. The more we let it lead us to places God forbids in the Bible, the more it ends up controlling us. It controls us. No, as Paul writes in the text, we need to learn to control our bodies in a way that is holy and honorable. God owns our bodies, in fact. In fact, His Spirit wants to live in our bodies. So we shouldn't be enslaved to the desire of our bodies like those who don't know God. But through the, the power of the Spirit, use our bodies in a way that pleases Him. And then, then there will be blessing too. And then the apostle adds in the text in, in verse 6, he says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. So no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. What in the world is he talking about there? Simply, congregation, let's not look for too complex of an explanation. Simply this, sexual sin always harms others besides those who are taking part in it, too. For instance, in adultery, the spouse of the, uh, is always wronged. The spouse is wronged. And premarital sex wrongs the future partner by robbing him or her of the purity that ought to be brought into a marriage. I'm afraid, for instance, that there are many women who were manipulated into sexual relationship when they were dating and who, because of that, lost their trust in men. And when they marry then, their husbands have a difficult time winning their trust. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there's, there's, that's some of the sad reality of sexual sin. Those who engage in it don't think they're harming or wronging anybody else. This is just, this is just me. But they're harming other people around them more than they think. Illicit sex always wrecks trust, ruins relationships, breaks marriages, harms others, bends your own mind. And maybe all of that's not going to happen right away, but slowly on it does. And unless there's genuine repentance and reconciliation, immorality harms a lot of people, even though you think it doesn't. And not only that, it also has consequences before God. So it has consequences among other people too, but also before God. And that brings us to the last point, the seriousness of that exhortation to avoid sexual immorality. The apostle, congregation, he emphasizes the, the seriousness with this warning in the text. He says, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. In other words, it might seem as if, if, yeah, sexual sins have no impact on your relationship with God. You can get away with it before God. You don't experience bad consequences that you think later on, well, maybe God is... Is punishing me for this. Maybe you don't even experience any negative consequences, but it affects your relationship with Him. God sees everything in your life. 
He doesn't leave those kinds of sins unpunished. They affect the relationship with him. At least if there's no repentance, no confession of sin, no beseeching of forgiveness in Christ before him. If there's sexual impropriety or sexual abuse, that sin will catch up with whoever perpetrated it in the end. It will. And that's the warning. That doesn't mean, of course, that every marriage which began in a wrong way, in which there was premarital sex or adultery somewhere along the line, that, that every marriage like that is going to be a failure. Or if there are problems in the marriage that we have to conclude that God is punishing a couple for one or other sin they committed in the past. No, God's grace and forgiveness of Christ is always greater than we think, greater than our sins too. And we can be thankful for that. Praise God for that. But never, we can never presume on God's grace beforehand and think, well, you know, we can do this again because God will forgive us again too. If you presume on God's grace like that, you're not taking him seriously anymore either. And be warned, the Lord will certainly bring consequences for such sins that presume upon his goodness. Then you have to bear the consequences of such sin sooner or later if there's no repentance. He punishes sin. There's no way around that except in Christ. And that's because sexual sin is serious before him. It's sin that ruins the relationship with God. It's sinning against your own body and someone else's body. It's being selfish and ungrateful to God who wants to make your body the temple of his spirit and fill, fill you with his spirit. It's a rejection of God. It ignores his holiness. It resists his purpose for your life. It defies his commands. It rejects his love. It flaunts his mercy. It abuses his grace. And he will avenge it. He will avenge it then. He will deal with it if we don't humbly let him deal with it beforehand. Repent from it. Hate it. Flee from it. Fight it. You see, and on, on the other hand then too, if men and women endeavor to keep their relationship pure and holy from the beginning and seek the will of God together, God blesses that abundantly too then your relationship with God and your relationship with each other within marriage grows deeper, more joyful, in, and, and, and glorifying to God. With God's blessing, you find peace together even in hard times. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let's, let's heed the call of our text to abstain from, to do everything to avoid sexual immorality. Keep ourselves holy in this. Turn it off. Turn away. Stop. And if we have fallen in the past, or if we are falling now, confess it. Confess our sin. Humbly seek the abundant grace and help of our Savior and God. Seek the strength of His Spirit. For God is love. 
And because he is love, he can't refuse you if you come to him for his grace and strength and help. He can't refuse you because he is love. And then let's, let's continue in his spirit, fighting to control our bodies and serve God with our bodies as people who are on the way together to perfect holiness and the eternal joy whose bodies are on the way to becoming glorified as Christ's body was glorified and eternal on the new earth. Amen.